for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found check Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is November 29th. 2022 and today's podcast is with mike yoder from drone deer recovery Welcome to another episode of the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today's episode is 247. And today I've got Mike Yoder from Ohio, and he is talking about his drone deer recovery company. And I'm going to tell you what, man, this episode was awesome. So funny story, and you'll learn about it here because we talk about it. But um, I saw Mike from a friend reached, a friend showed me his page and I'm like, man, I got to look in this. So I started looking into it and I'm like, I know this guy from somewhere. He actually has been a camera guy, field producer for the Whitetail Adrenaline DVD series for I think seven years or so. And I'm like, yes, that's where I know him from. So seems like a super awesome dude. He's from Ohio, still lives in Ohio. And uh, he started a drone deer recovery company. And oh my gosh, mind blown. Um, I, I just was super anxious to talk to this guy and just kind of pick his brain because I think uh, a, a service like this can be very beneficial. Um, and after talking to him, like, I feel like it's even more beneficial. Like, and I hope, I hope a lot of states that uh, might not allow drone recovery for carcasses and stuff like that. I hope they rethink it. And I really hope Mike can be at the forefront of, of, uh, you know, making a lot of states come around and think like, this is not for bad. This can be for good. Um, so yeah, it's a really cool podcast. I just want to get into a little bit uh, today with partners and everything, but I do want to say, hopefully everybody has had an awesome Thanksgiving. And uh, I know I did. It was a great weekend just with family and, and friends and just hanging out and just kind of relaxing a little bit. But yeah, great weekend, great Thanksgiving, watched a little football. So um, let's get into a couple partner reads here and then we'll get right into this episode. So Helix Broadheads, guys, um, go check them out and and use the code FALLHX10 for uh, 
to save some money on Helix Broadheads. HelixBroadheads.com. They are, if you guys haven't listened to my partner reads at all, they are a fixed blade broadhead. broadhead. Uh, it's a right bevel, single bevel broadhead. Um, and I, I have nothing bad to say about it. Every week, I, j- I just can't come up with something bad to say about it. I, I'm five for five with these things for two in two years. Great blood trails. You you literally find deer quick. Um, you know, it is about shot placement as well, but they are great heads. They penetrate like a mother scratcher. You can get them in 100 grain, 125, 150, 175, 200, and 225, all right bevel, no left bevels. So uh, go check those out. Next is Latitude Outdoors. Use the code THEFALLPODCAST, all one word. If you guys want to try out some saddle gear, use that. Uh, Classic 2 Saddles is the single panel they have. You can get knee pads. You can get daisy chains. You can get platforms. You can get the Method 2 single panel, ropes, carabiners, uh, Kong ducks, whatever you want, ascenders, everything. Go check them out. Latitude Outdoors. Use that code, the fall podcast, all one word, lowercase to save. I think it's 25% on it. Next is Exodus Trail Cams, another Ohio company like Helix Broadheads and like Drone Deer Recovery. Um, Go check out Exodus Trail Cams, their renders uh, at exodusoutdoorgear.com. Vector Arrows is next. Custom Arrows, I love these things. Use Fall 10 at VectorCustomShop.com. You go in there with the Arrow Builder, put your bow in, put your point weight in, what your draw length is, what your draw weight is, and your bow uh, make and model, and that'll spit you out an arrow, and then they build them there, and they send them to you. You you can't beat it. Use Fall 10 to save some money there. And then next is Garmin Bow Sights. Uh, I have the A1, and I have an A1i. I love them. I really do. I, they've made me a better archer and a better hunter in the fact of I don't have to do all the extra movement to range. Some people might say it's cheating. Well, I don't think it's cheating. I'm not shooting a beam of light and uh, ranging a deer, I guess you could say. Uh, no, that didn't make sense. Maybe I am shooting a beam of light. I don't know. I don't think it's cheating personally. Um, I don't. I, yes, it is easier, but I, I don't take it as that either. Like I look at it as being more efficient and uh, more ethical. That is the way I look at it, is being more ethical and, and being able to concentrate more on the shot and not ranging, putting your range runner down, maybe moving your sight or gap shooting. Um, go to full draw, hit the button, and range, range, range. And then once you're ready, let go of that button, and it gives you your pin. And then you can you have time to just like slow the moment down and just – relax and, and think about making an ethical clean shot. Um, not saying you're going to do that every time because buck fever takes over. I get it. It's hunting, but I really think it does make people better archers and uh, better in the moment. True. So if you guys could go check that out, that'd be greatly appreciated. Thank you guys for all the downloads, all the listens, all the, you know, the, the five-star ratings, please do that at iTunes, Spotify, and leave a written review. So let's get over this interview with Mike. You guys aren't going to want to miss this. Oh, I, I I did forget. I don't want to forget to tell you. Mike was having some issues sometimes with his, with his headphones, so his, his audio was a little off. And then it, so we, there's some times where it kind of went dead and then we picked up. So you're going to hear all that. And I just left it in. So we're going to run it. So here it is, the uh, interview with Mike Yoder from Drone Deer Recovery. 
All right, welcome back to another episode of the Fall Podcast, and today I've got one of the most exciting episodes I think I've been waiting for. Honestly, I I just stumbled upon this guy and his business a couple days ago on Instagram, and I am super excited to have Mike Yoder from Drone Deer Recovery on. Mike, thanks for coming on tonight, man. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. I'm uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, I am as well, man. And like I said there, you and I talked a little bit off record there. And I, I when I stumbled upon you, I'm like, I, I know you. I know you from somewhere. And uh, I told you I'm an avid Whitetail Adrenaline guy. And you uh, you ran camera for Jared and those guys for a long time, right? Yep, I did. Uh, I, I think it was about seven seasons. There's a lot of stuff that I actually recorded with Jared that uh, hasn't made it out yet. I spent a lot of time in... Uh, the Western States actually chase an elk okay. with him uh, a couple seasons that um, people, of course, haven't seen yet. I don't know if he's going to drop that stuff, but yeah, that's uh, I've been helping him for a while. Haven't done anything with him for the last three years. I started another business, had a family, had a child, and things changed real quick. It's amazing how that works, huh? I've I've been uh, <laughs> I've been a field producer in the outdoor industry for eleven years now, and I've got a young family now with my daughter, my daughter being five. But I'll tell you what, when I was, you know, married or you know just dating my wife for the first four or five years, it was way easier to travel. And now it's like I don't want to travel, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it was uh, when we got married. Um, she was, she's the coolest wife ever. She would support me in the whitetail adrenaline stuff. And, uh, I was gone for three weeks at a time oh, at yeah. times and she was totally supportive. But when we had the child, that definitely changed. Jeez yeah. out. People, people told me when I was single, you just wait till you get married. Things are going to change. <laughs> and, um, it didn't really change that much. I, I kind of liked it, but when the child came, things changed, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, and then I, I only have one, but I have you know a lot of friends that have two or three, and it's like my sister's got four, and I'm like, your life is chaos every minute of the day. I'm like, how do you, how do you have any time for yourself, you know? <laughs> but, yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah. Well, good deal, man. Let's get into this a little bit. So, I, I I don't even know where you're from. Where are you from, and you know how old are you, and what do you do for a living? I guess. Okay, so I am uh, I'm from south of Canton, Ohio, a small town called Dundee is where I'm from, and uh, my other occupation is I'm a CEO of my own company called Anywhere Tree Care. Okay, and uh, I'm residential hazardous tree removal is what I do. My specialty is using big cranes, pulling trees out of situations that are uh, super sketchy and stuff that other people can't really do is what I do outside of drone deer recovery. Okay. All right. So you're from Ohio, so you're probably a Buckeye fan, I'm going to guess? Honestly, I got out of sports uh, probably about 10 years ago. Okay. Literally all sports. Um, college, you know, professional, you name it. I just got out of it. Um, what did I get into? Actually, I got into flying airplanes, so uh, that kind of took all my time. Oh, wow. So you just like dove right into it. So you're a pilot as well, huh? Yeah. Yep. I, uh, I've i been a pilot for six years. Uh, flew my plane farther than most people have. Uh, enjoyed life quite a bit without the baby, me and my wife. It was a two-seat tandem airplane that we took all over the place. As far as we've gone was uh, New Mexico from Ohio. So Wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Was that just like on a whim? You're like, man, I want to fly some planes, or is it like, you know, something you've always wanted to do? So, well, you know what's the wildest thing? I don't know if you can 
uh, hear it in my accent, but I grew up Amish, so my whole family is Amish. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm the only one that isn't. I don't know if you know what Amish are or not. But I do. I live in uh, a big Amish community. Well, it used okay. to be a big Amish community. Now, there's still a few around, but uh, yeah, I know all about the, you know, Horse and buggies come by all the time. Yep, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, uh, no, as far as flying, I just I, I loved flying. I used to fly RC planes, and uh, I just never thought it's something that I could do because I grew up Amish. I went I went to school till eighth grade. Never really was a good reader, and uh, I got a job that paid well. And at about six. 17, 17 years old, I chose to not live that lifestyle mm-hmm. uh, as far as being Amish. And then I was like, you know what? I'm making pretty good money. I'm going to spend this money and get my license. Instead of spending my money playing softball or doing other things, I spent all my money on an instructor buying an airplane and getting my license. I dedicated a lot of time to that. And it it was cool, paid off. It is the, it is the sweetest thing that I've ever done. And if anybody listening is thinking about getting their pilot's license to fly airplanes, do it because it, every bit of it is worth it. Wow. That's cool, man. Good for you. That's like, you know, seeing somewhat, I mean like a dream and just kind of like taking it face on and, and accomplish it. That's awesome, man. Yep. Well, good deal. Yeah, I actually flew, uh, I, I flew to North Dakota once, uh, to film Jared on a hunt. Are you kidding me? I <laughs> no, I think, I think it made it in a video. I don't remember for sure, but yeah, I, uh, they were hunting out there and I flew myself out there and then filmed him. That's awesome. I, so I got to ask, how did you get hooked up with Jared then and, and doing the filming? So I was, uh, a fan of course, like probably almost everybody else's in something like this is uh, I really liked the content he was producing. Mm-hmm. And I met him at the uh, Columbus Deer and, uh, Turkey Expo. And uh, that I think his company at that time was only two years old, two or three years old. And I kind of bugged Jarrett there and bought some, bought some type of item off of it. It wasn't a video, but it was, it was like making these camera straps. They were like bungees cords yep. or something. And uh, I bought that off of him, chewed him down, me and him kind of sh- shoot the shit there for a little bit. And then uh, later, I don't know how much of detail we want to go in here or or if this gets cut up or not. Do you do you cut stuff? or? I, I, I usually don't, but hey, let's roll with it. If you've got time, <laughs> I can be on here for three hours, so I'm good. Okay, okay, <laughs> yep. So, so uh, this is the sketchy way. What I did is I placed an order online. This was back when before Jared had his online stuff figured out. I placed an order online and I paid through uh, PayPal with it. And then I did a dispute or something like that. And when you did a dispute, you got the individual's personal phone number. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is wild. Uh, so, yeah, I got his phone number and then I, I just started in slow. I was like, Hey, I'm Mike, um, and and you know he's kind of freaked out. He's like, "How how does Sam Hill did he get my phone number?" <laughs> and uh, and I I just started and saw. I'm like, "Hey, I'm from Ohio. Uh, I we have a bunch of outdoor stores here. If you want, I can try to get your videos out here. If you want to send me a bunch of videos to my personal house, I will take them to the uh, outdoor stores and sell them on why they should uh, carry these videos." And he's like, "Yeah, why don't we do that?" And he sent me a bunch of them, and I started going to stores and selling his videos in my local area and a lot of them. And that kind of opened it up more for me to call him for that type of stuff. And then I slowly started 
just talking to him about you know running camera because i i've run camera all my life my first time i got a camera was when i was i think 13 still as an amish boy i convinced my dad hey i want a camera because i want to make hunting videos most of those videos never came out but i uh so i talked to jared about what camera he has and he had this sony ex1 at the time and was more money than I could really swing, but I still bought it. I went and bought a Sony EX-1 so he could see that, holy shit, this dude is trying. And uh, I would run the EX-1 to get better at it, and then one day I'm like, hey, if you guys need help in Kansas uh, on the gun stuff, uh, let me know. I'd be willing to come out. And Jared, I guess, was willing to take the risk. He's like, you know what? I'll, I'll try you out. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of how this got started. Dude. I, uh, Yep, that is so cool. <laughs> little weird, little weird, little it unorthodox. Little weird. But man, yep, yep. the way I look at it though is just like the whole flying thing. Like, dude, you're very driven. You're a very driven cat, and you you just like see a goal and like you're gonna obtain it. Like that's you're gonna do oh, it yeah. at any means yep. necessary. Yep. Probably that's yep. really cool, man. Yeah, yeah. We were filming today, and that that actually came up. It's a, it's about you know, I'm not highly educated. I'm you know I'm might not be the smartest dude, but if you set your mind to it, I don't care who you are. If you set your mind to it and don't listen to the naysayers and keep doing it, you're going to do it. Amen, man. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. Like, And now you and Jared are probably pretty good friends, eh? Oh, gee. Yeah. Like, yeah, Jared calls me. I call him. It's it's like buds. Yeah, I, that's awesome. I don't know. I, I was going through some stuff. He was going through some stuff. Uh, I don't know if you listen to some of his podcasts, but... Oh, yeah. His, his burnout stage and stuff that he was going through. I was actually going through some something very similar with my business and, uh, you know, just trying to figure out, like, what's the point and what's the purpose of all this? And me and him were able to talk about stuff. And he definitely helped me come through a kind of a tough season, actually. It was just last year. And so, yeah, it's uh, I call him for more than just, hey, what's up with Whitetail Adrenaline? Yeah. Actually, I rarely call him about that stuff. It's yeah. personal stuff at this point. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I know we didn't do this podcast to talk about Jared Scheffler, but now that we got it open, like, you know, a year ago, I went through a, a pretty big burnout deal. And, and at face value, people don't know that. But behind the scenes, it was pretty, pretty big ordeal. Um, and I'm in my, my, you know, my close friends and family, they like they knew about it and they helped me through it. But like listening to like Jared on like the working class bow hunter podcast and stuff and like really open up about it like helped me as well um and just kind of hit the reset button you know and just kind of get yeah. back to to what you yep. did you know when everything was good and, and that's hard it takes a good support system to do it so yeah i, I yep. definitely listened to all of jared's stuff yeah yeah it was just the wildest thing one night i was laying on uh just on the floor with my kid and i was just business was taking a crap and i was working long hours and i was trying to figure out why i was doing this i was i actually it's a, it's embarrassing saying this but i got into drinking i was drinking heavily and i don't know why so partially was um i don't know do we want to get personal on this podcast it's I, up to you man you I, it, no it's up to you if 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 you if you're okay with saying it i'm, I'm okay with putting it out man okay so yeah you know i am going to say it because it could help somebody else because there, there's times when, you know, I got a business and it looks successful to uh, people on the outside. I'm talking about my tree tree care business. Yep. But there's, there's still stuff on the inside that goes on that people have no idea. And I was um, 
I was dealing with back issues that I blew blew a disc or something, and I started drinking for that just to kind of, you know, get my mind off of it. Well, I did that for a while, and then it just kept going and going, and then it was about the stress, and I was drinking a lot every day, and I was like, holy crap, and I just got down on myself, and one night I was laying on the floor, and I was like, what is the point of all this? Like, I got, you know, not that I'm super rich or anything, but I've got what I wanted, but I'm still not happy. So yep. what is the point of this? And, uh, dude, Jared called me. And randomly, like, I don't know why, Jared called me, and I, I told him, he, he's like, what's up, Mike? And I'm like, I don't know. I just don't know what's up. And he, he can just tell right away that this dude is uh, not like he is normally. And, uh, yeah, me and Jared talked for a while. Dude, I bet we talked for an hour and 15 minutes on the phone, and and he's telling me how he just just now pulled through his side of things and he can relate to what i'm saying like what's the point of all this uh even though you know you might be successful financially and you have a house or you have this or that if if you're not happy inside in your heart then it doesn't matter what you have and yeah we pretty much talked about it honestly from that time on after hearing you know what he dealt with i was like yeah i gotta get Got to get my mind back on something else other than what I have been doing for seven years, which is anywhere tree care. That's all I focus on is build this business, get it, you know, get it successful to be able to do it on its own. Yep. And pretty much like Jared, you know, he, he that's all he's ever done is just focus on white tail drilling, get the edits out, push, push, push. And it he didn't have time to go do personal things like, dude, go on a walk or go fishing or do something. He never did that, and I would say I was getting in the same position. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. When you can't find time for yourself and, you know, just to get away and release for a little bit and go do your thing, like you said, it could be going out and wetting the line for, uh, you know, for an hour. You know, that might just be that little release. And when you can't do that, man, that's when things can can go south in a quick hurry, for sure. Oh, dude, dude. Yeah, it's it's no joke. I would definitely say you got to take time to have personal, even though there's times when, you know, there's... You need to do business stuff, but business has to wait at times too. Because if that's all we're doing is pushing for business and pushing numbers, then you'll be not happy at some point. Yeah. No. Amen to that too, man. That's that's good. I'm glad we went down that hole. I'm, I'm glad we yeah. we did that. So yeah. let's. Can we get in a little drone recovery? You think? Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's let's do it. I guess the first question I have for you is, you know, why? Like, why? Why? And how did this come about? Um. So. Obviously, I've been flying just normal airplanes, and I've I've flown RC airplanes, and I've been flying drones for a long time. And one day, I was sitting with my buddy in his kitchen. I actually just texted him this morning. I was like, this is the wildest thing, like, what's happening right now. I knew it's going to be a big thing. I had it in my brain of how I'm going to market it, and then when I get it all set, I'm going to blow it up. But... Um, yeah, me and uh, a buddy were sitting in in his kitchen, and he started talking about using thermal drones to do roofing inspections, like uh, on big commercial buildings. If there's a leak, oh, uh, yeah. the the water will go down and it will uh, soak into the insulation. And if you do a roofing inspection, that insulation will hold heat, and they'll be able to tell if there's a uh, a leak there. And I was like, yeah, I've, I've been thinking about getting a drone. Uh, I wonder if a drone would work for, like, 
thermals on deer, and I started like YouTubing like thermal drone deer recovery or something. And uh, I stumbled upon this guy that he needs to get some love on this as well. Uh, Marshfield Drones, uh, Nick is his name. He had a couple videos on YouTube, and I watched that, and I was like, "Yep, I'm gonna buy one." And I uh, I bought a cheaper one because I I just wasn't quite sure if I'm gonna go all in on it yet because what I so my whole goal was I'm gonna buy a cheap drone, I'm gonna make a thermal video, take it to our local expo here like um what is it called northeast ohio outdoor show or something and uh i'm gonna go there and i'm gonna see what the response is from the hunters because i also didn't want to just like do this and then people are like yeah you shouldn't be using that but actually let's take a step back before i spent the money i wanted to know if it's legal in the state Mm -hmm. and so i went direct to our uh DNR, not to the wildlife officers, but to the, uh, uh, what is his, his name is Ken Fitz, but he's like oversees all the rules and stuff. Okay. Yep. And I called him and I was like, this is what I'm thinking of doing. I know there's no laws written currently, but how are you going to look at this if I do it? And he talked, uh, and you know, his theory was this, and I'm not giving any legal advice. I'm, I'm just telling you what him and I talked about. Uh, because I think another reason that this is exploding is because it, it might be slightly controversial. It's like, should drones be really used to find deer? Um, and his theory was, Mike, it the way I look at it is it's no different as if you would take your four-wheeler out back, look for a deer, and then bring your four-wheeler back, and then go back and then get the deer, like if it's dead. You know what I'm saying? Yep. That's yep. what he. That's what he said. That was on the phone. So I was like, okay, then I'll go buy this $7,500 uh, drone. And that's I'll make the this cheap video. one. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This one that I I have is not even the expensive one that I'm gonna get next year. Okay. But so so I was like, I'll spend the money and I'll make this video and then I'll go to the uh, outdoor show. When I went to the outdoor show, literally my booth was. A table with a black uh, tablecloth on it had a computer screen of an old iMac that I have, had that video playing with some cards laying on the ground, and all it said on the back is when I first started it, I I called it uh, Yoder Drone Service. Uh, What was it? Yoder Drone Service, Deer Recovery, and Aerial Imagery or something. Okay. And everybody just flocked to my, my... tv that i had there just watching this like oh my gosh because what i would do is i would show the deer in thermal and then i'd switch to like just the normal camera and then they could see the deer standing there and this they're like oh this is ridiculous yeah and uh i literally ran out of literature at that show really and yep yep i called my wife i was like hey babe like i need more cards go to staples get get more cards now and she got me cards as like the last two cards left the table. But so, yeah, that's how it started. I was wanting to see what the, uh, you know, sportsman's uh, feedback is and it was good. And then this, uh, what was it in September? I went and invested uh, so far in, in investing in, in everything. I, I got, uh, you know, not quite 30, but wow. it's getting up there. Well, you yeah. know, and it's, 
you know, if you want to do it the right way and be successful and good at it, I mean, it's going to take a little bit of money, I would think, right? I mean, oh yeah, you don't want to half-ass it, I wouldn't think. No, no, and I, I've I've had since uh, a couple of these reels blew up on Instagram, I've had uh, well over a hundred DMs asking me what drones to buy and stuff and what my setup is. And I've got guys asking about these small drones that I've already tried and I've told them no. And the one guy still went ahead and did it. And I'm like, whatever, you're going to do the same thing I did. I lost $2,000 on my first drone. I, you know, I spent 75 just to test it and I couldn't sell it for what I paid for it and ended up losing money. So people that think that they're going to go out and buy a, a drone for less than 20000 and do this are uh, sadly mistaken. Really? Yes. Yeah, so... There, there's scenarios that it'll work, but it, it just won't work all the time. So what are some of those scenarios that it, it wouldn't work all the time? Well, I, I don't know that I'm going to like give away all the secret sauce yep. because we're actually working on a uh, course right now okay. that I'm going to be producing and releasing uh, that will teach you everything you need to know and you won't make the mistakes that I did and it'll save you money but it'll also teach you how to be a really good drone deer recovery guy if, if that's what you want to do okay I, I can totally respect that so yeah so okay so you got into the drone and so th- this is your first fall then is that correct doing the recovery? yeah this is the first yep this is the first season that I'm uh, that I'm actually all in. So what's your thoughts so far? I mean, right now we're in, in middle of November. I mean, how many, tra- How many? I'm not going to call them tracks, searches? Do you call them searches? Yeah, it's a search, yeah. Yeah, how many searches have you been on then? Uh, a ton. I, I also don't want to give that number because people can do the numbers of what I'm charging. Okay, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I respect it, man. I do. Um, uh, I'm sorry. It, it's just so weird. Like, I, I already have people in my area because there's a lot of wealth in our area. Yep. And uh, for some people, 20000 bucks is nothing. That's like writing a $20 check. Yep. And uh, they're already going to buy a drone next year. They don't even have their license. Yeah. So if, if there's people going to do this on the shady side and they don't even have their Part 107 license uh, because th- they see quick cash, um, that's going to be a problem. Sure. So I just, yeah, just right now I'm, I'm not going to give you a number, but it's a bunch. Yep. Like that I've done. Maybe at some point when when I get everything dialed in, um, I'll tell you exactly how many, but let's just say that it's a lot more than uh, I was anticipating. Okay. (laughs) So I'm guessing you're probably burning a lot of fuel going from uh, search to search. (laughs) Yeah. That just, you just now bring that up. I was on the way back uh, today and I looked at Kevin, uh, my camera guy, and I'm like, oh my God, this truck is horrible. <laughs> I, f- I just put 105 bucks in and we're at a half a tank already. Oh, it's man. like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely got to get a, s- a smaller vehicle, but it has to be four wheel drive. Like sure. the search we did today, there's a couple different, uh, we, ha- we had to move so we can uh, uh, operate the drone safely uh, within, you know, parameters. And uh, we had a couple move a couple times and finally we're going up this steep old hill it's muddy and the dude's like i don't think you're gonna make it up there i'm like we gotta get up there so <laughs> i put the old ton put the tundra in four-wheel drive and up up the hill we go but, there you go yeah i don't think a little ford focus would work for that no probably that or a prius probably wouldn't even work for that 
know, I, I, I did take the Ford Focus on a couple long runs. I, I put the generator in the back and then had to get it out to uh, to run it uh, to keep my batteries charged. Okay, I got gotcha. you. So going back to your license and all that stuff. So, I mean, you, you, you were already a pilot before. So like a legit pilot, not just a drone pilot. So did all of your pilot stuff, and this is me being ignorant and not knowing. Um, so with all your pilot stuff from before, did that translate to doing what you're doing now then with the drone recovery? Oh, yeah. So if you're an actual pilot and there are some guys that DM'd me that are pilots, uh, to become a drone pilot is super easy. Uh, all you have to do, um, if you already have your, uh, you know, private pilot certificate you just have to sit in front of the computer the faa shows you a couple videos you take a a little bit of a test at the end and boom you are now a remote uh pilot from the faa standards now if you're starting from scratch and you don't have your pilot's license you're going to learn the whole lingo like you're actually going to be a pilot like as crazy as it sounds you're going to have to learn how to talk on a radio like we do in faa so let's let's say somebody calls you up and uh, you know you're you're 6922 whiskey you're going to have to learn how to talk like that just to become a drone pilot wow. which is great and they're going to have to learn airspace it, there's so much that you're going to learn that you're going to be like what is the point of all this <laughs> right. and uh, th- there's a ton i would say you know you might not use 80% of it what you learn but it definitely weeds out the uh, the weak people like it's if you don't put a lot, you know, focus your time on it, then you probably won't won't make it because there's so much stuff in there that's like this is ridiculous. Well, I could for sure see like why not why not make you go through the whole gamut. You know what I mean? If you're gonna if you're serious about this, like you said, it's gonna weed out the people that are just not in it for the right reasons. Maybe you just think they're gonna turn a quick buck. You know, something like yep, that. Or yep. so I, I definitely get that. So how many or how often do you have to? renew your pilot's license for just being like a drone pilot not just like a like a legit pilot or does there is there a difference i guess uh no there is there isn't a difference but every two years you got to do continued education okay on uh the faa's website okay so even even me as a, a private pilot if i do my biannual uh flight review with a, a instructor that doesn't uh make me current for my remote uh pilot certificate gotcha okay now tell me like okay so you got you got the the business you're doing the drone recovery so like your first search ever I mean was there some nerves I going was freaking, on I was nervous <laughs> I was nervous as all get out because you know it, it, it's somebody's getting you out uh, to look for a deer they have no idea if it works and I partially have no idea if it works. Yep. I mean, I know that it works because I, I found live deer, but I've never found a dead deer okay. at that point. And, uh, I, am as much as it sucks, the first deer that I looked for, I didn't find, but it was because the lack of experience. I do think that if the amount of searches that I've already gotten in and the things that I learned that I'm, I'm going to teach people in this course is I would have found that deer because of learning how to move the drone and move the camera of the drone to look into certain situations to be able to find thermals through tree canopies. Okay. Now, and that was one of the questions I had too, is like when it's early season with a lot of foliage, is it pretty hard in the timber to find stuff like that and find thermal? 
Oh yeah, yeah. So that definitely uh, that is the hardest time to search is when you have leaves on the trees. It's totally excuse me. It's totally doable. It just takes a lot longer. Like let's say trying to think of this a, a search without leaves. Let's say it's a uh, hundred yards away or, or four hundred yards away. If I take the drone up without leaves and I look into that general direction, I'm probably going to pick up thermals within a couple seconds. No kidding. If I if I take the drone up and I look in that general direction with leaves, I'm not going to see the thermals. Just forget it because I can't see that far through the leaves with thermal. So I got to position the drone and the camera on the drone to look through holes and uh, you know angles to get that heat to throw through the canopy okay now what is one of the most difficult things when you get up in the air let's say you have foliage let's talk talk hypothetical here you got foliage and you know what are some more of the difficult things to like that might be throwing more or might be throwing thermal i don't know what might be out there in the timber i don't know maybe more deer like bedded deer like what are some difficult things the hardest thing in in early season is we have a hot day and uh, the the leaves heat up and the wood of the trees also heats up. Okay. But as the sun goes down, the leaves lose their heat faster than the wood does. So you start this search and the leaves aren't holding heat but the wood of the trees do. So as you're flying around and you're looking through the canopy, you're seeing tree limbs, you're seeing tree trunks, you're seeing all these things that are holding heat that you're trying to figure out, like, what the heck, wait, is that a deer? Is it not a deer? And that's another thing. Like, once we teach you how to read through that data, and I call it data, uh, if you watch some of the YouTube videos, somebody asked like why do we call it data uh it's just because we don't look in thermal like so if you look at a thermal image coyote hunters now are probably like yeah i know how to read thermal i get it but most of us don't know how to read it when you're looking at an image from the top in thermal you look down at a tree and it's vertical so you're looking in there and you're trying to figure out well is that a deer or is it a is it a tree trunk and I would say, the yeah, that's the hardest thing is to figure out what is something to spend your time on and what is not. Man, I could only imagine, too, like let's say you get into an area where maybe there's a lot of tops in the ground or maybe they just clear-cut it a couple of years ago. Like that could be some difficult stuff. I feel like a lot of, a lot of tops or, or, you know, branches laying on the ground, like that might look like deer. I could, I could see that being a difficult task. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But really, that season is so short uh, where we live, anyhow, because our early season is uh, the last Saturday of September is when ours starts. Uh, and about mid-October, the challenges of the canopy and the, the heat of the trunks majorly uh, diminishes because the leaves are starting to, um, you know, shrivel up and as soon as those leaves start to decay it's just a game changer okay yeah i could definitely see that and i agree like you know by the middle of october you know you're basically kind of out of that i would think you know yep yep 
Yeah. So, you know, with with given not given too much information, I guess, or what you would give me. Let's let's go through a scenario. Let's say you get a phone call. Somebody wants you to come and search for their deer. When you get to the site and meet meet the hunter for the first time, or you know, you talk to him, like, what are some questions you're asking? Like, what are some things you need to know so you're in the right headspace and you know what you need to do? Yeah. So uh, when I first started, I was like. I was trying to collect all the data and I still do. I want to know, you know, what's your bow, you know, weight, what type of broadhead do you have? Do you have a mechanical or a fixed just so I can try to keep that for my record. If I end up finding this deer or if I don't, what type of blood did you have? Um, that that's just stuff that I want for my personal so I can kind of keep record of it. Sure. Um, but the, the, the important stuff that I, want to know when i get there is the general direction of where the deer is from where we're at right now or where you think he is from where we're at right now where you may have hit him where you lost last blood and then i'll just start searching in that area okay now are there some you know with the ffa or faa right is that what FAA. Yep. FAA, yep. So Federal I, Aviation Administration. Yeah, so with, with some of the videos I've watched, here, you got to have like a landing pad and all that, right? Yes, correct. So a landing pad and you got to have lights on your landing pad and, and you got to be like legit. Yes. Okay. Yep. So, you know, once you get there and you talk to the hunter and, and you get general location, you get the drone up, how long is your runtime on these drones with the batteries? Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, Log on to MidwayUSA.com. Uh, so the uh, manufacturers will tell you that the current drone that I'm flying is you can fly for 40 minutes. That's in ideal conditions and taking your batteries to the absolute max. I don't fly like that. Um, I take my batteries to 30%, and then I head back home and uh, do a battery swap. So I'm at about uh, 21 minutes on a... Um, a set of batteries and there's two batteries in it i can do what's called a hot swap i pop one side out power keeps in power stays in the drone i pop another one in and then the drone never loses any of that uh recording data of where i've already gone and i can be back in the air in 45 seconds wow 
So you're when you right before you leave, do you leave the ground for the first time? Do you hit record and you stay recording the whole time? Yes. Okay. Yes, because uh, you know everybody talks about shooting drones out of the sky, which is super illegal. Um, so I I want to collect that data right from the rip. Uh, if somebody would shoot my drone out of the sky, I have all that already captured and it's stored in my remote that's in my hand okay they might shoot it out of the sky but i still have everything i need to uh you know press charges yep for sure okay so i mean that's that's pretty good i mean runtime i would i would think we we run a lot of drones for work and everything and um yeah i I, i'm with you when it gets below like 30 percent, i'm like i'm i got a tight asshole and it's like we got to get back here because we're (laughs) you never know like drones can get rogue too you know (laughs) oh yeah 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 i was doing a search uh and i was really focused and i I knew i was getting down but i forgot to calculate the wind and i had a headwind coming back and i told the fellas i was like this is not good this (laughs) literally this thing literally might fall out of the sky because it told me to head home, and I was like, I still got to check this one place. I'm right here. It's like I'm out here far. And uh, I got back, but there's been times when I woke up during my sleep, and I was like, oh, my gosh, my drone's not going to come back. Like, I thought I was flying the drone, and I woke up. I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It likes haunting your yeah. dreams. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I don't do that now anymore. I, I trust the thing. Yeah. Um, how far can you go out and up with the, with your drone? Well, up is, I've never like took it to the max. You shouldn't go above 495, 495 feet AGL. Um, but most of the stuff that we're flying, we're out in some serious rural area. So you, you know, there's not necessarily a uh, altitude that you're not allowed to go into except 18,000 feet. Um, that is if you're not in any type of controlled airspace it gets real like people are going to be like well yeah you can't do that if you're in canton um trying to think here how to i would say i don't really ever go above 498 feet is what i set my drone at as far as distance out the drone is rated to go up to three miles i don't do that either um in some flatlands that i was searching the farthest I've ever been because you have to stay in the line of sight of your drone. So you, you have to be able to see it. Um, and, uh, the farthest I was, was like 1.1 miles. Gotcha. <clears throat> yeah. They're, they're pretty crazy tool how they can, they can rip really fast and they can go decently far. <laughs> oh yeah. So. Yeah. My drone, uh, in sport mode, like when I'm heading back home, I'll uh, I'll put it in uh, sport mode and it'll do about exactly 50 miles an hour. Holy cow! <laughs> yeah. And when you see a big drone go that fast, it's like that thing is humming. Like these little drones, these racing drones, they go way faster than that. But you don't quite get this perspective of how fast it's going unless it's like bigger. Yep. I gotcha. Now, what is your ideal height? Like when you're in a search, you know, where is your ideal height to be, you know, obviously you got to be above the canopy. So however high the trees are, but I guess how close are you trying to get to those trees? Does it make it better or does it make it worse to see thermal? Every search is different. So, um, there's times when 
trying to think if if the sun was out and it heated it things were hot it's better to be high because it's not going to pick up as much detail as it would if you're low so if you're low and you got a log laying there that has some heat that heat is going to show up but if you're at 400 feet that log might not show up um, and distract you but things that are still alive or that have died not long ago will still be hotter show hotter on your screen than uh than the log would if gotcha. that makes any sense yeah it so definitely does. to give you an ideal altitude you don't have one yep. it's uh every search is different there'll be times when it seems like you can't pick up a deer then you just go higher or you come down lower and all of a sudden you're, you'll start reading your screen and it's like okay yep right here's where i have to stay I got you. Yep. Okay, so everything's a little different. You kind of adapt to every situation then. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Now, I'm going to get into a couple questions here that uh, might be seem like rapid fire. And you probably get these questions a lot, I'm guessing. But um, has your drone ever kicked up an injured deer? Like, has it ever scared a deer that's, you know, injured but hasn't been recovered yet? No, not like I, I don't want to kick up deer. Right. So, I mean... If at 400 feet, the deer usually don't even know it's there. Okay. It's, yeah, that that's definitely not what I want to do. Um, if if I if I see on my screen that a deer feels pressured, I just go away from it. Okay. It's, yeah. My my uh, goal is to locate the deer and not put it uh, in stress of any kind. Yep. Now. What, okay, so let's say you're you're flying, you see the thermal, you see that it's the deer, and now I've seen on your videos you flip over to another camera. Now, how what is that process, and and how does that all work? Yeah, it's just one button push. Um, it, the the drone is built with multiple cameras on the same head, so the the thermal camera and the zoom camera and the wide camera and the POV or the uh, FPV camera, they're all on the same. Actually, no, that FPV is sitting above the the uh, the bigger camera, but they're they're literally all in the same head of the camera. So when I'm uh, when I'm running thermal and I hit one button, go to zoom or go to wide, that's all it takes is one button push. Okay, and then like even when it's dark out, when you go from thermal to the other image, you can like on your videos, you can see that it's actually deer. You can count points. You can see the antlers and everything. It's almost like you're like hovering right above him. It's crazy. Yeah. But I'm definitely not right above him. Sure. Uh, there's yep. times when you can look at the altitude, uh, on the videos it'll give you an altitude. Uh, but that altitude at times can be a false altitude because that's reading altitude above where it took off. So oh. if I'm, uh, if, if I took off and I, there's a hill to the right of me that I'm. I went up the hill to go look for something up there. Um, being above the the ground, I might not be as high as it's reading. But then there's other times that I'm higher than it's actually reading. Okay. If that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. Because there's times when I'm up, like I take off on where I'm on top of the hill, and I take the drone down the hill. Well, now it looks like I'm, you know. Now it looks like, geez, he's only 40 feet from the deer. Well, that's not true. The deer is way below me, 
it's just reading the altitude difference from where it took off from where the drone is sitting now. Okay, that makes total sense because yeah. I, I didn't look at the altitude meter on like on your on your camera or nothing, but uh, or on the videos. But definitely, I could see where some people might be like, "Well, he's hovering right over him." Like, I definitely see that. Yep. Yeah. Most of the time, I never hover over a, a deer. If somebody wants a very specific uh, coordinates pinpoint, I I might go right above them and shoot straight down instead of shooting um horizontally because huh, i did this this video will be coming out at some point it's going to be cool but i uh i was so pumped i was pressed for time and i find the deer and i shoot i, I shoot the coordinates it's kind of like a laser i shoot the coordinates and i i'm like yep here it is and um, that horizontal shot wasn't right where i needed it to be and it took us in a wrong direction but um usually i uh i can zoom in and get it real detailed but um yeah hovering above them is not what i normally do yeah so when you're up and you let's say you you locate the deer and <clears throat> let's say it's horizontal you know what is your process if you know he's expired then what's your process there uh you can just tell exactly when a deer is dead because um, a deer doesn't lay flat on its side with its legs out usually with sure. its head down uh, if i see that i will be i will come closer to the deer um slowly and see if it reacts to it if it doesn't i'll come in even closer and then uh you know get the zoom camera on him really zoom in on him see if he's breathing or anything and if, if he's not then i'll uh I'll drop a pin on him, and we're good to go recover him. Okay. Now, on the flip side of things, and I'm sure you've you've found some deer that have been alive, probably. Um, so, when, in that instance, you know, has the hunter or is do you feel like it's your job to be like, okay, if he's still alive, then we need to figure out how hurt this deer is. Then. Yeah. So uh, I find a lot of deer alive. I would say fifty percent of the calls that I get uh, the deer is actually still alive okay and the information that we're getting and we're going to be sharing is we you know nothing against the dog guys and i think that dogs are viable in this as well but there's often times that those dogs are tracking deer that are still alive and will forever be alive and the hunter says well you know I, i'm convinced i hit him in the liver and uh there's just no way that the dog's going to be, you know, turn around and tell you, uh, honestly, you actually hit him high in the front shoulder. I know that you think you hit him in the liver, but you didn't. So some of this stuff that we're seeing uh, where we can look at the shot is just blowing my mind. Like the other day, the guy called me and he's like, sorry, am I getting off the question? No, I, you're I good. Go, man. I like um, these little rabbit holes. Go. So, so the other day, a, a guy called me and he's like, yeah, I hit my uh, target buck. I, I hit him a little far back and low. I'm like, okay, it should be an easy find if it's back and low. I mean, that's gut. I'll find the deer, guaranteed. And uh, we started looking, and he said he went down in this area, looked at that area hard, kept uh, broadening my search, going farther and farther. Um, I finally find the deer that he hit, and I'm like, dude, you didn't even hit him anywhere close where you thought you hit him. He hit him in front of the shoulder in the neck area. Wow. And he thought he hit him back. 
and he he still just wasn't quite convinced that that's the uh, entrance, like based on this is a deer that the deer was alive and i was like nope not getting closer he is fine he will not die trust me so there's no need for me to go closer to prove to you that this is where your arrow entered and uh so you know i i gave him the coordinates of where he's laying they go around uh the road and were able to set up up higher and use their binocs and look down into where he was uh, laying and they, he called me back later then when I was on the way to another search. And he's like, dude, you wouldn't believe that deer got up. And with the binocs, we could see right where I hit him through the neck. And it went out the other side. Oh, my gosh, man. <laughs> so it's just like I think we get so excited at times with like when we're hunting um, that we think things that actually didn't happen. I, I get it. We think that we hit him in certain areas, but that's not necessarily always true. Yeah, because for sure. It's, it's happening with a lot of people that I'm, you know, doing these searches for. Yeah, and I think a lot of it too is, you know, the hunters, they, whether they like to say it or not, a lot of guys like to be the first one back to camp and let the tailgate down and see this buck. So it's like they're trying to, I don't know what the word is for it, but I mean, I'm, I've been guilty of it too, where it's like, you know, you're, you're almost false hope in your mind, if that's the right word, or if it's like, I know I hit him there, but maybe I didn't, you know, or, yeah, you know, yep. I want it to be, I don't want guys to know that I'm a bad shot kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yep. Or yep. like everybody yep. gets buck fever. And if you hunt, you're a hunter. I mean, it's going to happen. You're going to puss deer up. Yep. You're going to miss deer. It's just, it's just the nature of it. You yeah. Know? It's just, yeah. Yeah. That's like tonight. I, uh, uh, I was able to find my cousin's buck. Uh, we've already made a video on him. I, it's on YouTube. I think it called it like found buck 11 days after the hit. Um, he was able to capitalize on that buck tonight and people were giving shit on YouTube about like, he, he's not a good shot or this or that. And it's like, you know, I don't care who you are. You could be Jared Scheffler swinging, slinging arrows. You're still going to screw up at times. And Jared even says he screws up more than more uh, most people. But I don't care how good of a shot you are. If you do this long enough, there will be times when things just straight up get jacked up. And, uh, yeah, he, he messed up on a big one earlier this season. I was able to find him, show him where, you know, he hit him. He felt like he originally felt like he had a good shot. And then after looking at it, from the drone, uh, determined that it was not a good shot, and he spent a lot of time, was able to get that buck tonight. So that video will be coming. It's going to be pretty sweet. That's cool. Good for him. So now, I mean, obviously you can see, you can zoom in enough to see where deer hit then, eh? Yeah. Um, there's times I can see them. There's other times that I can't. If the deer is laying in heavy brush, and I just don't want to get that close to the deer, uh there, yeah, there's times I can see it, and then there's times I can't because I don't want to put my drone in a situation that is a little shitty, and I also don't want to put pressure on the deer that is uh, unnecessary just yeah. to see where he hit him. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Now, have you ever followed a like an injured buck that to a point um, where you've seen him bed down or even expire? Um, I'm trying to think here. Like... <sighs> I uh, I did something interesting tonight, and I'm not sure. 
how much I'm going to talk about it, but okay. uh, it's a little, um, I'm trying to think here how I want to say this. I, I've never, I've never followed a deer that a hunter hit to where I just kept following till he like laid down and mm-hmm. died. Yep. Usually my, my service is I come out, find the deer, here's where the deer is, you know, um, and then I'm done and then I, I leave. Uh, there has been one time, no, twice. Yeah, I did it twice that I found a buck and he wasn't dead. And I was like, I want to come back the next morning and see if he's dead there and went back the next morning and found the buck again, but he moved. Um, I think there's deer that people think, well, that's where they stay. They'll die. No, let me just tell you that there's always something that can happen that that deer will not be there. There's this one buck that I found. He was shot through the lung and the liver, and uh, they went after him too quick. He he laid down within like 15 or 20 yards of where he was originally hit. They went after him right away. Boom, jumped him. He, And then they were like, okay, get the drone guy out. And I went and found the buck. He jumped and ran about 350 yards and bedded down. And he was hurting. He, like, had his head laying flat on the ground. And not all legs were out, but a couple legs were straight out. And we were just like, yeah, he'll be dead there in the morning. This was uh, Saturday evening. We'll go get him Sunday. And I dropped the coordinates on it. They went back to get that deer, and it was gone. No way. And it's like... Wait, we all seen it on screen. This dude was laying flat like he's going to be dead. But what they got is they got a picture of a coyote track in the bed. So just before that deer expired, those coyotes found him and they bumped him out of his bed and pushed him. Because the next day I went back and I tried looking for that deer and I looked and I could not find that deer back. And I think what happened is those coyote got in there just before he died. He got enough adrenaline pumping that he got up and ran in a straight line as long and as far as he could till who knows what the heck happened to him. Wow. That's crazy, Yo, man. It is crazy nuts. Well, so this is something that it just triggered me hearing about all these tracks. Like, you know, you have so much information to your disposal now after one fall, like hits. Yeah, I, you know. I, I have a lot of information, but the, the guy that uh, got me into this, Nick Marshfield Drones on YouTube, that guy has an insane amount of knowledge. Yep. Like, And he's so confident that it's just wild. He's been doing it for three years. But yeah, anyhow, go ahead. <laughs> so my whole thing is to you is like, okay. What what are some tendencies that you're finding, like with liver hits, with gut hits, like how far? Because you know, and I'm just gonna tell you, I've I've hit a couple deer in the liver. I've been on a lot of tracks. Anything that's been a liver hit, the deer usually beds within 100 to 150 yards. Is that like what are some tendencies that you're seeing? I I would say that uh, it it is so all over the place right now that I can't, I can't say a definite one way or the other. Okay. Like I found liver hit deer that were, you know, a couple hundred yards from where they were originally shot or last tracked to. And then I've not found so-called liver hit deer, but 
how if I don't find him, there's no there's no proof of me that I can't say that it was truly a liver hit. But what I can go on is if they say it was a liver hit and I can't find it, that this is what I was taught by my mentor is there's two ways that a liver hit deer can react is one, the lay down or the walk in circles until they like die because when they start being poisoned from the uh, liver, they become like drunk and they'll just do whatever the heck they 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 won't even know what they're doing. Okay. So if they go in circles, they'll stay there till they die. But if a liver hit deer walks in a straight line and he walks at two miles an hour, in one hour he's going to be two miles away from where he was originally hit. Wow. And and I believe that there's times in, that that happens as well. Wow. I can verify the walking in circles. I I shot a doe. This was back when I was in college. Hit her in the liver. Took up the track way too early. Found her um, like 40 yards into the track bedded, still alive, backed out, came back like 10 hours later, and she took us on the wildest loop by loop. Like we were crossing our blood trail like four times, and then she literally only ran probably 80 yards from where I saw her bedded the first time. But, dude, I'm telling you, she did like eight loops. It's crazy. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because they just literally become uh, drunk and poisoned from the liver, and some deer react and and go in circles, and others go in a straight line. And if they go in a straight line at two miles an hour, and if they walk for an hour or two hours, I mean, that deer will be so far away from where it was originally shot, it's you you won't find it. Yeah, you know, and I've never really thought of it that way. If if they walk, you know, at a certain speed for a certain dis or you know time. Yeah, things a long way away, you know. Yeah, yep, yep. That's wild. Um, yep. As far as like, have, I'm sure you've been on some with with a gut hit. Is that true? Oh yeah, the gut hits are easy. Oh really? I mean, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and tell people to shoot them in the gut, but if you got a drone guy next to you, I'd shoot a deer in the gut all day long. Really? That that I. I will put money on it that I will find every gut hit deer that there is. Oh, yeah. If you don't push him. Yep. And, and dog guys will tell you the same thing. Yep. Yeah. Like, yeah. Gut hit deer are easy. It's a lot of pain. They don't want to go anywhere. They'll bed down probably no more than 200, maybe 300 yards from where they were hit. They'll bed up a couple different times, but they're going to be right in that area. Yeah. I can verify from that from last year as well. <laughs> I, I personally hit one in the guts, and I knew it was in the guts. And um, yeah. I took him up with a dog at, after 12 hours, found him uh, 27 hours later still alive, and and then I finally found him 48 hours after I shot him dead. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's that's a thing with the gut hit deer. It's like, how, how much time do you give them? And right. if, if you don't have blood and you put a dog on it, that's a sketchy thing to do because like, I feel bad. I looked for a deer the other day, uh, was a buck of a lifetime for this dude. Um, and, uh, yeah, he put a dog on the track 26 hours later, they jumped him and never seen him since. Hmm. Man, um, that sucks. you know, it, shoulda coulda woulda but he didn't know about me at the time if if i would have located that that deer you could have you could have you know said that it's not dead and you would have never went in there mm-hmm. i mean there's definitely going to be times when using a drone over a dog is going to be way more beneficial oh sure 
Yeah. Um, is there is there a certain time after a deer has been shot that is like the ideal time, or is there like what? I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, what's the le- longest after a deer has been shot that you found one? Uh, the longest that I've found one and guesstimating time of death uh, has been uh, 33 hours. 33 hours of actual death. Yeah, um, and it had plenty of thermals. Really, but it ha- it had plenty of thermals because it was cool out. So it was wa- kind of warm through the day. It was probably mid forties or something like that. Maybe maybe forty eight. And uh, but then it cooled down, and I was looking for it at night. And so if if it was kind of warm through the day, that the body of the deer was not cooling off as fast as it would it if if it would have been I don't know mid thirties. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I found that deer. I I guess it made it him thirty three hours after death, and it had plenty of thermals. Wow, that's crazy. Never would have thought yep. that. You know, like when a deer gets rigor mortis put in him and stuff like that, and it's like, you know, you always wonder like how long after a, an animal has expired oh, that it's every like... deer, every deer that I find, almost every deer. Sorry, not every deer, but most deer that I find have all had rigor mortis. I mean, they're stiff as a board. Really. Yeah. I gotcha. I found one the other day that got snowed on probably all night, and it, it was still hot. No kidding. Yeah. That's good that to know, though. That was 25 hours after the shot. Yeah, that's good to know. With a blanket of snow on, it's still throwing some heat. Yeah. So yeah. can you uh, – this might be one that you get all the time because this is the first one that comes to my head is, but can you fly over a neighbor's property without permission? Uh. Have you ever had a helicopter fly across your house? <laughs> I knew this was coming. Yeah, I have. Okay. Yeah. Did he stop and ask you for permission? No, but I flipped him the bird, though. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you don't own the airspace above your house. Yep. That's a federal airspace. Um, so, no, you don't technically need permission. If you want to be a good neighbor and notify your neighbors that, uh, hey, I'm going to have a drone guy out. If you guys are curious what's flying around, that's his drone up there, just so you know. You know, you can do that. That's nice of you. But do you have to do that? No. There's there's nothing that tells you um, that you can't fly your drone across your neighbor's so-called land. Gotcha. It's the neighbor's land, but you're not driving or flying on his land. You're flying above his land in federal airspace. Sure. Yep. No, that makes sense. Um, are there any uh, wind and weather conditions that keep you from flying? Uh, right now I'm finding out that, uh, snow is a bit of a booger. Um, of course you, you, you don't want to fly when, if you can't see your drone. Sure. Um, but snow, when you switch to zoom camera and you're up too high and you're looking through too many snowflakes, it's hard to really see what you're looking at. Um, so right now I would say that, uh, the hardest thing to fly in is heavy snow. Rain doesn't doesn't really um, bother me. I mean, I guess I haven't been flying in a torrential downpour. I've I've been flying in rain, but not when it's like an insane downpour. If you watch some of my shorts on YouTube, I put one short on there that I it's it was pouring. I don't know what's considered a pour, but yeah, the drone does just fine in rain. Okay, that I, I was. How about high winds? Like a 25, 30 mile an hour wind? All the time. 
I'm really? always flying in 30 mile an hour winds. Yeah, because oftentimes, like on the ground, you know, we we might be getting, uh, you know, 15 gusting 20, but at altitude, at two to 400 feet, it's always a lot more wind than down here. Um, the drone, the drone does well in 30 to 35 mile an hour wind. Okay. I don't know that I've seen 40 yet. But I'm sure it's coming because it's winter time. Yeah, for sure. This might yep. be a dumb question, but what's the easiest train or cover to find an animal in? Uh, high, tall weeds. Like a CRP ground or set aside grass, yeah, stuff yep, like that. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. And any, but any hard... honestly, tim- uh, hard timber. Like if if you just have timbers, like big oak trees and stuff like that, with no canopy on it. That stuff is really easy to look through as well. Okay. Yep. And then like but the hardest thing uh, this time of the year to look through is uh, heavy pines, evergreen trees. Oh man, I could only imagine. I didn't even think about yep. that. Yep. Those. It's all about your angles. I looked for two hours today for a specific buck. Like this individual had a very specific buck, and he's he was convinced it's in the pines, and I spent time in the pines <laughs> finally i was like dude i'm just gonna tell you this buck's not in the pines and uh i went with my gut and started looking outside in the timber and ended up finding the buck for him wow it, that's got to be that's got to be something difficult in your mind to be you know respectful but also be like hey man like <sighs> oh you just wait till the next <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so there's this, uh, there's these types of Amish here. They're called, uh, we call them, uh, Danners. Like, I don't know why it's that, but they're not allowed to run trail cameras. Okay. So, so they see a buck and they have no video, they have no pictures to show what the buck is that they hit. That is the hardest thing for me to find because, okay, I'll just give you a story. It'll be coming out, but. I, I'm looking for a buck for this Amish Danner, and he's like, we hit him high in the shoulder. Um, it was last light. It hap- happened really quick. Um, what was the buck? He said, I think it's like a 130. I'm like, okay. So who knows what the heck we're looking for at this point. <laughs> we're probably looking for a buck that, uh, you know, is hit high in the shoulder. I look. You know what I find? I find a buck hit high shoulder, but it only scores maybe 115. Okay. And he's like, he's like, mm, not my buck. I'm like, oh boy. Wait, one second here. Like, now you're telling me I'm looking for a dead buck. This buck is not 130 inches, it's 115 inches. Are you saying that this is not yours because you wanted it to be bigger? You know, there's times when we look at deer and we get it wrong, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm getting a little frustrated with the dude. Um, cause my goal is I want to find the deer. It's not so much about the money or my, uh, locate fee. It's about like being successful. And when he tells me that this is not his buck because the antlers aren't big enough, I am a little pissed. Oh, I would be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the neighbor was there, like the English neighbor was there and he quickly gets his phone out and he calls the other neighbors around there and he's like, did you guys hit a buck anytime, like in the last week or something? And nobody hit another buck that they're aware of. So I'm, you know what? He ended up not admitting and giving me that a successful locate, but 
we talked about it at 3 a.m. at Waffle House that night, and I was like, I'm going with that was the buck, because what the heck else am I going to be finding that's shot in the shoulder high, you know? Yeah, like, how do you, I mean, I know what I'd probably do. I'd be, you know, getting a little bit of a pissing match, then I'd be like, okay, the drone's coming down, I'm packing up, I'm leaving. Like, if, you know what I mean? I know, mean? but it, this is kind of like a customer service-based business. I know, like, yeah. I can't, uh, I can't, because it, it's happened to me multiple times, it happened to me yesterday, and I'll tell you that story, because of, you know, this incident here, but I have to still dial myself back, like, sure. I want to, I want to like go off on him and be like, you listen here. Uh, but I, I can't do that at this time. Now, Nick uh, from Marshfield, he probably, trust me, he's a Marine. He'd probably tell him whatever the blank he would want. But I I don't do that yet. I got to build up my confidence. Yeah. But the craziest thing is after that incident, we are driving to the next one. And I'm I'm heated at this point. I tell Kevin, the cameraman, I'm like, dude, I got to know if they, if they're Danners or not, because if they're Danners, they're not going to have pictures of the deer and they're going to tell me that they can tell me if it's the deer or not from the drone and things look a little different from the drone. I I can get you in positions to have you look at different angles, but it's still going to look slightly different than you probably pictured in your head. Mm -hmm. So I call this next dude that we're on the road to. And I think it's like, uh, what time was it now in the morning? I think it was 12.30, 1 o'clock a.m. And we're go- headed to this dude. And I call him, and I was like, hey, do you have pictures of this deer? And he's like, nope, I know what he looks like. I watched him come from 120 yards away. I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> he gets bigger and, with every step to his stand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I already told him i'm coming i can't tell him well nope not doing it just had this incident you know that i'm a little pissed about he can't know that i'm pissed because if he knows that then he knows what i'm gonna do but um i get up there and he's like yeah it's a wide buck um you know pretty heavy i'll be able to tell from the front if it's him or not i look for about an hour and a half ended up finding this big buck uh i'd say probably been searching for about an hour and 40 minutes and I come down, and I look at that thing, and he's like, yep, that's him. And I'm like, going around him a little bit, and he's like, no, wait. No, that looks different now from different angles. And he's like, goes back and forth, goes back and forth. He's like, yeah, I just don't know that I can say that that's my deer or not. Oh, boy. But I I, I also, he, he, he was like, I can't say that it's not, and I can't say that it is. I'm like, oh, my God. So this is two in one night. Yep. So that happened two in one night. I was pissed. So the, obviously that deer was bedded, probably head up, just looking around. No, no, no. He was out feeding in a in a field. Oh. And uh, he was chasing does. I could see him. Good. Like, trust me. I'm telling you, it was his deer until proven otherwise. So that's my theory. Your deer is alive. <laughs> if I can't, if I cannot find your deer. Your deer is alive until proven otherwise, and I've only been proven otherwise twice so far this season. Okay, okay. Yep. Man. One was laying laying in water, and one was laying under a pine tree. Okay. Now, is the one laying in water, does that that pose some some difficulty? Yeah, that's that's a big problem. So he was laying in about two to three inches of water, and his body was the same temperature as the water was. And so 
when flying across that water, that just looks like water. Um, and there's no, there was no need for me to stop across that water with like a blob or a blip or anything of different color to catch my eye to be like, you know, look right here in this water. If I would have switched my camera, just a normal camera, and randomly f flew across the water and looked, maybe I would have seen him. But yeah, water can be an issue. Yeah, I could I could see it being even more of an issue if he's laying like a pond because you know how they kind of like sink a little bit and you yep. might only see like their belly. You know that yep. might be an issue too. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, for sure. Water water this time of the year is even more of an issue because it's cold outside right now, but the water hasn't dropped in temperature really. Mm -hmm. So that, that water isn't, uh, so right now we have 30 degrees Fahrenheit here. Uh, the water is maybe, I don't know, 45, 50. And so that water is showing up red, just like the body of a deer would. Okay. Now at night when you're running the regular camera, this might be a dumb question, but can you see decently? No, not at all. You're, right? you're you're flying at night. You're flying on your thermal, okay. and then when you when you find something that you want to look at, then you switch to your uh, um, night camera. Gotcha. Okay. Yep, that makes sense. Um, and do you prefer to 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 tra I'm track here? That's how my mind is. <laughs> my mind is programmed. Do you do you choose to search better in the night or like in the daytime? Like, what's better for you? Um, so the very best searches are when it's raining and it's overcast, uh, probably in the day. So it has to be overcast because you don't want the, the sunbeam to hit the ground and heat things up. I would say that right now, that's what I would tell you. Um, my, I would prefer it's raining and it's overcast and look in the daytime. Okay. If I can't, if I can't have that, then I want it to be, uh, actually, I'd even take it just overcast through the day. It doesn't even have to be raining like it was today. I did searches in today, but it was overcast. Um, and if it's not that, if it's not overcast, it definitely has to be at night. I gotcha. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, those are some things that I'm like, I just don't know. Like, I've never done it. So, I, I mean, it's really cool to, to hear this firsthand. Now, in your best estimate here, and you can you can if you don't want to tell me, just tell me to kick rocks. But what is your recovery rate like? Successful? Like I know you're talking about um, how you quantify it, but like what is your rate? I I haven't put those numbers together yet. I'm uh, just collecting everything that I've done so far this year. Um, so I I won't even like give you any type of a number but i can tell you this just like i listened to a podcast about a dog track guy like your numbers are only your, your numbers can be whatever you want them to be like if i'd only take the calls that i know that i'm gonna find i could be 100 percent sure but yeah. if i'm going and trying to find the hard ones then my recovery rate is not going to be as high but what i can tell you that if the deer is within the search area that you're telling me the search and it has thermals i will find it i got gotcha. you no that's unless unless it's laying in water <laughs> <laughs> or under a pine tree <laughs> yeah well the pine trees nope not anymore okay I, that was when i started way early 
Okay, so now you're a little yep. more experienced with it, and you know how to get angles yep. and okay, yep, yep, yep. yep. But I waters, know, I know how to. Waters that like that, you know, Achilles heel, huh? Yep, yep. Water can screw you. Okay, now okay, I want to go back a little bit, and before I wrap this up, but let's say you field a call, okay, and you're asking the guy questions. Is there, and he might not want to say this, but is there, is there information on a hit or something where you're just like. <sighs> I don't think I'm going to benefit you. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I've called 100%. a lot of dog guys where it's like, they ask you everything, you know, and it, and from a dog, it might be different, but it's like, okay, where's the hit? What, you know, what's the blood look like? Do you have pictures? Stuff like that. Is there something that you just were like, you know, I think it might be wasting your time, my time and your money. Yeah. Um, I, I do that, but with my service, it's different than a dog. Like, uh, I don't know if dog guys get into a position like they're, they're big enough in business that they're like, you know, I really don't need the cash Mm -hmm. and I don't want to stomp around in the woods at 12 AM or whatever time it is. Um, and then they'll encourage you to probably not use their service where mine isn't like that, where, you know, I don't really have to go through the woods if I don't want to, I can sit on the road and fly my drone over there, find your deer and then go home. So, I, but yes, there's times when I'm like, yeah, I can tell you your deer is probably alive. If you want me to, I can come and show you that he's alive, but yeah, he's not going to be dead. So you're just going to be paying for me to look at your deer and then you're not going to get him, get him anyhow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was just something that, you know, obviously you got a, you've probably got a, a litany of questions that you're just going to ask him and just to get the, the whole gamut of of the situation definitely yeah yep like uh i mean there's definitely when i first started you know i wanted to get as many searches as i could i just i was searching for anything that somebody wanted searched and i did i was searching for everything but now since i've got a lot of stuff under my belt i can pretty much tell you if the well no i shouldn't say that I, i can't tell you if the deer's dead or alive by the questions but I can feel pretty confident on the way to the call that I will either find the deer or I won't find the deer. Okay. Based on the questions. Yep. That that makes sense. Now I'm coming up with these other questions too. You're probably like, I'm ready to be off this call. <laughs> um, no, I'm 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 totally entertained. What? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if the listeners are, but oh, they'd be. They're. I mean, they're at the edge of their seat right now. I can tell you that because I am. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, how far will you travel to to do a recover or do a search? Uh, I'll I'll. Tra- One second. Did my thing switch over to my headset again? It did, yeah. You were a little faint there. There you are. Yep. Okay. So I'm willing to travel wherever somebody wants me to go, but I can't right now. I only understand Ohio's laws. Okay. So if somebody wants me to go to Indiana like somebody wanted me to do yesterday, um, step one is I'm not just going to tell you, Hey, I'm coming. Yep. I'll come to Indiana is I have to do my due diligence and figure out if it's even legal there. Um, and then after that, it's like, you're going to have to entice me and, and you can go back to my Instagram and probably find his comment because he, he said something like this, like be prepared to take out a small loan for, to entice this guy to come find your deer for you. 
And and the reason I say that is because I can't just charge my normal rate if I'm driving eight hours to yeah. look for one deer. Listen, if my fee is this and I have a mileage, yes, I'm going to get miles driving there. But if I stay in my area and I get three or four searches done in the amount of time it takes me to drive to your place, you better be offering me some pretty good dollars because it just doesn't make it doesn't make smart business sense that i would drive that far and leave searches here that i could get done faster and do more so i'll drive where you want me to but you're probably going to end up paying a good buck no that that totally makes sense and honestly the regulations um i'm pretty sure like the state of michigan i live in michigan so the state of michigan i do not think you can use a drone to recover a deer um, I'm pretty sure. I think there might be some gray area in there. Um, I've never actually looked into it. Um, when did that change? Because there's one video on YouTube that's got thousands of views of a guy recovering a deer uh, in Michigan with a drone. Yeah, I saw that video the other day. Um, and actually, a friend of mine called a conservation officer a couple days ago, and they said, absolutely not, you cannot. So that's where okay. I'm getting my information. So, so I agree and I disagree. Don't call the officers because anything that you call an officer and if he doesn't understand if there's an actual law written or not, he's going to tell you it's illegal right okay. off the rip. And that's, w- that's what our officers did here. When they see me at the show, uh, because they had a booth there as well, the ODNR did, they seen the video and, and they kind of walked by and he looked at me and he said, yeah, we've been talking about this and I think that's illegal. And I'm like, uh, you know what you don't know is I've already talked to your boss, Ken Fitz, and it's actually not. So, oh, and then they were like, oh, okay, well, he didn't tell us that. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, and it's nothing to the, to the officers. It's, it's their job is if something looks illegal, give them a ticket and let the courts decide if it's legal or not. Yeah. That's literally what they do. Yeah. If, if they think that something's you know, not legal, they're going to ticket you and then let the court decide if it's what it is. Not, not saying that, you know, go out and do it in Michigan, but I would just say, go to the higher ups. If you really want to know how it is, look up the, the, the definition of hunting or, or maybe they have already written a very specific law that is like section one, five, zero, three dash two, nine, whatever says drones may not be used for recovering carcasses if it says that well then there you go boom that's your law but it any state's going to tell you drones aren't allowed for hunting i we all know that they're not allowed for hunting but what is the definition of hunting and well yeah that i can't give legal advice but you have to like look at all the fine detail yeah don't take what I just said for everybody listening for verbatim then. Um, do your due diligence like Mike just said. Go to the highest up you can because I agree. Yes. I mean, our system is debunked in a lot of ways for yes. them to do that and just say, oh, let's handle in court. That's part of the problem with what's going on in the world. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. But yep. no, I totally I totally agree, man. That's I think what you got going on and, is something really cool, and I can't yeah. wait to see what it blows into, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's being crazy right now. But another thing is like, I I think if there are states that they're like, nope, drones, not legal, can't use them, is once we get enough people to agree that drones can be used for good, 
like yeah, like anything, I don't care what the heck it is, anything can be used for bad. But if we can prove to them that these drones can help in recovery of, you know, wounded, dead deer, carcasses, or whatever, like, maybe we can change their mind on the law. Yeah. Not not saying that we will, but there's a chance. Yeah, and I think you and then the Nick guy, what was his last name again? Yes. I don't uh, don't remember his last name. Mars, the, Marsfield well, or something. Well, his his company is called Marshfield Drones. Oh, okay, okay. So in, in Marsh Marshfield, Wisconsin. Gotcha. So like you and him, I think you're the only two that I've ever heard of. So like I think you guys could be at the forefront of this, like fighting the good fight. Like let's let's get this out there. And I don't know if that's something you want to do, but I I think it might just come with the territory. Do you agree? Oh yeah, yeah. I definitely want to do it. I want I want to get a panel of people. Uh, that agree with this, but, but you know, most of this is going to be uh, on on their time because I don't think there's enough money to go around to try to pay the people on the panel. But uh, to advocate for us, mm-hmm. like if there is a state, let's say Illinois or Iowa, I, th- I think Iowa again. I don't have a lot of you know information on Iowa, but I do believe you are allowed to use it to find carcasses in Iowa. Okay, but but let's say Illinois isn't. Well, that Illinois is a huge state for whitetails. You know, we have to have advocates on our side approach the state, show them how this can help everybody. Like it'll help the deer count. It'll it'll help conservation overall by using drones to recover wounded uh, deer. Like it just would make sense, but we'd have to you know have a a lot of people on our side to try to convince somebody like that. Yeah, for sure, and. Illinois, their their whole <laughs> political system too is pretty debunked. So I don't know how that yeah. would go down. But I agree, yeah. man, hundred percent. I agree. Like I think all those states they should be allowed to do that. I mean, shoot, look at Iowa. They just passed like a year or two ago that you could even use dogs. So it's like mm. to recover game. So you know, for the longest time you couldn't even use a dog. And like I understand that it comes with you know some problems there. I get it, but it's like. It just takes one person to ruin it for everybody else, and that's probably what happened yep. back in the yep. day. Hundred percent. You know? Yep. Yep. So yeah, I know, and and that's the same thing with these drones. Like, I'm just like, I want to follow the book and respect uh, the laws that are written, and not bend any rules with what we have in Ohio right now, because they are very lenient on what we can do with drones. And if there's people that start using them in shitty ways, then then we're all going to lose from it. Because right now, hunters are benefiting major from this. Just the, just the hunters that I've helped uh, this year. I mean, some big deer have been recovered by using this drone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the, so, I got a question. What's the biggest deer you've recovered so far? <laughs> I'll be releasing it on Instagram and YouTube, so make sure to subscribe there. Um, what what would you guess? I would I say two oh seven. Oh, really? Doggone close. Two oh nine. Um, it just wild. So I found a two hundred. I don't know if you watched that video on YouTube. Nope. But I found I found that two hundred, and I was like, "There's just no way that this is going to get any better than this." And uh, yeah, I. Uh, yeah, found a two hundred, found a two hundred nine. Oh my god! And gosh. I may have, I may have found another two hundred tonight. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, this is wild. Like, yeah, if you guys 
haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, yeah, check that out. I'm putting a lot of time into it, and I'm actually putting a lot of money into trying to create entertaining content because the, this side of hunting stories have never been told. No. Like, and if we can document them in a way that's entertaining and then also showing like how drones benefit the community, uh, it can be very interesting. Amen, man. Amen. So I guess let's wrap it up here, but hit everybody with where they can see your stuff other than you. I mean, YouTube, what else? I mean, where can they find you? Subscribe, like everything. Yep. Yep. So of course, uh, Facebook, uh, Drone Deer Recovery, Instagram, Drone Deer Recovery, and uh, YouTube, Drone Deer Recovery. If you search those in any one of those platforms, they should be able to find us. If they want um, more some type tech- technical uh, stuff, just go to dronedeerrecovery.com. I uh, should be able to get whatever you need there. Okay. And I'll put some links in the show notes too, to your social channels and everything. So people can just kind of quick link them Sweet. right there. Um, if I don't know if you want to give a number out on the, on, on here, but like, how would somebody get a hold of you the best way to, to recover? Uh, we, we have a form on our website that you can uh, just go right to our website and you can fill out a form to recover your deer and we'll, it's an automated system. It'll, send it to my phone and I can let you know if I'm available or not to do the search. Awesome, um, to, to all the people that already filled out that form in, in other states, I appreciate you guys reaching out, but unfortunately we're not going out of Ohio as of right now. Very cool, man. Well, dude, Mike, thank you so much for doing this. I greatly appreciate it. I know it's late on a Friday night, but thank you. I, I can't wait to, to publish this one because I think it's going to, go pretty good and I, I can't wait to see how big you get because i'm telling i'm gonna call it right now you're gonna be like talk of the town for a very long time you're doing things in a really good way i love watch you know when i started watching you on whitetail adrenaline you know that resurgence videos when you, i really first saw you like be a character and i'm like this guy's witty like he like you know he he plays well with jared i'm like this like i could you know when you and jared got that flat tire on the trailer and oh yeah with the burb on there and he's trying to get it up on all these boards and everything i'm like this is this is white till adrenaline man i love this so oh yeah yep i love it man cool well yeah i appreciate uh you reaching out and uh wanting to do this uh you know the more that we get the word out there the the better it'll be trying to just educate people on how drones can be a benefit to the community and there you have it thank you mike for coming on and uh doing this interview that was awesome and uh hopefully like i said when we get further down the road and he gets more established and everything we can do another one and and kind of be a little more transparent i get why he had to hold the reins a little bit i get it i respect it man um but thank you so much mike for doing that that's awesome. I, I just can't wait to see how this thing grows and uh, and how successful you are. So thank you very much, guys. Like Mike said, go to Drone Deer Recovery on IG, on Facebook, go to the YouTube channel, subscribe, do it all because this is some really cool content that he's doing. And uh, please also go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating for the podcast and leave a written review. It is always greatly appreciated. And don't forget, we'll be right here next time on the Fall Podcast. miss thursdays with saltwater experience brought to you by golden boat lifts every thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment 
you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.